This podcast is brought to you from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 59 of the EdTech Takeout. My name's Jonathan Wiley. Oh, I'm hi. Joined by an... You in- missed the... Wait, hold up now. <laughs> you like totally... Are you to the point now where you're like, we've done four podcasts in a month. I'm just going to skip the traditional introduction. Is that where we are now? I think that's where we are. Okay. All right. Well, let's get started. I'm Mindy Carney. <laughs> hey, Mindy Carney. <laughs> hey. How are you? Good. All right. Fourth episode of the month. Yes. Creativity. Um, this one's a little delayed, but um, we have a good Not excuse. Really? Remember? Really? Well, we they were... They don't know it's delayed. We were going to record this one last, last week. week, and I have been releasing these on the Monday of oh, all you the weeks. Oh, I guess I, so I don't listen to the podcast, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, you get it firsthand, live and in yeah, person. Yeah, first time around. Yeah. Um, so weather basically wasn't yes, it we weather. had yeah more, we were home again more crazy weather another yeah, snow day another snow day i think our schools have had what 11 or 12 snow days now <sighs> 12 i think i saw one of our school districts had 12 yes maybe 13 so it's a lot summer school for everybody yes not me <laughs> <laughs> all right so um in case this is you're just hopping in first episode of the tech takeout this month we are doing four special episodes um, each episode revolving around one of the four C's. Our last one for this month is creativity. And the reason we're doing this is because the digital learning team wanted to celebrate Digital Learning Day, which is actually right around the corner. That's Thursday, right? February 28th. It's Digital Learning Day. But we decided to have a digital learning month because we can. And so um, we have been celebrating the four C's all month long. We have, yes. Yeah. And this is our last one, which is yeah. creativity. Right. So um, in case you're wondering what Digital Learning Day is, there is a, um official Twitter handle you can follow, which is at official DL Day. Um, you can also follow the hashtag DL Day. And we are using hashtag DLGWAEA to share all of our resources um, for the month. So you can definitely search for that hashtag and um, follow along with us or catch up with us if you are just getting to it now. You ready? I am ready for news and follow-up. Okay. And I thought we'd start with, um, I think we should do this more often. I feel like our team write good stuff. Yeah. And uh, I was reading Beth and Corey's blog post uh, yeah. for last week, mm-hmm. which was on the theme of critical thinking. And I thought it'd be worth uh, linking to it in the show notes and highlighting it because uh, she said, like we do, people often gravitate towards PBL as one right. of those things that you start with for critical thinking. Sure. But I think she, she did a really nice blog post on questioning and uh, what questioning, how that relates to uh, critical thinking. And uh, we had a speaker here at Grant Wood recently called Weston. Called? <laughs> That's what we call him. Called. <laughs> Named. His name was. We had a speaker at Grant Wood recently, and his name was Weston. Help me with his last uh, name. Kishnik? Kishnik? Could, could be. But Weston, very intelligent guy. Yeah. Um, author of Bold School. Author of Bold School, right. yeah. Yep. And one of the things he said was that um, the average questions asked by a teacher every day is like in the hundreds, like yeah. three to four hundred. Yeah. And the average number of questions asked by a student was 1.8. <laughs> 
Wow, that ratio does not seem correct, does it? And most of those might be, can I go to the restroom or something yeah, right. like that? So, <laughs> yeah, so Beth talked about that ratio and how we instill uh, a culture of questioning in, sure. the, in the classroom and what that looks like, ways that we can encourage our kids to ask more questions. Because when you're asking questions about things, you're thinking about things yeah. on a deeper level and trying to process things in different ways. Mm-hmm. So... We can definitely link to Beth and Corey's blog post mm-hmm. to let you guys take a look at that because um, lots of great ideas of practical things you can do in the classroom to encourage critical thinking. Yeah, and I think they did a nice job, too, of um, one of their posts this last week was um, just kind of maybe tallying how many questions are you asking a day and how many you know questions are students asking. And we actually had a pop-up Twitter chat last um, month on our snow day because we yeah, were we all did. home, which was super fun. Um, and I know we've mentioned Andrew Fenstermaker before, but um, he mentioned that he was going to do that. Uh, they have a swivel, which is the you plug an iPad into it and it rotates. You are lanyard and it um, the camera follows whoever's talking. But he said he thought that that was a good idea that they had posed um, in his coaching conversations as they were going to use that swivel and it would give them time to kind of reflect on um, how many questions the teacher was asking and how many questions the students were asking, which I thought was a good connection to that too. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about your pop-up Twitter chat? It was your idea, Mindy. Um, well, we had a pop-up Twitter chat. I yeah. don't know. What do you want to, what do you want to talk well, about? All our schools basically were closed for yeah, the day. And we, th- and we thought we'd give the teachers an opportunity yeah. to have a, quite a kind of impromptu on-the-spot yeah. Twitter chat. Yeah. And Mindy came up with some questions. And uh, we had some good engagement, I yeah, think. People joining in, some good conversations, good ideas. People had yeah. people from our area and a little bit wider, too. Yeah, and hopefully there's no more snow days for the rest of the year, so... Yes. It was a one-time gig. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Until yes. next winter, maybe. I think we're probably going to get some flooding or something. Oh, with all I the know. Snow it's, we've not had, gonna be, so. it's not going to be good. Um, up next, what do you have here? ReadWorks is creating richly illustrated eBooks from a collection of high-quality reading passages. Yes. What's up with this? So ReadWorks is one of the services I like to show teachers if they've not seen it before. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great service. It gives you different level text. Right. It has um, audio versions of text. It has comprehension questions that go along with text. It has vocabulary uh, things that go along with text. And they have come out with this uh, ebook gallery here where these are picture books. They're kind of aimed at K2, K3 kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are a little bit older. Oh, I'm scrolling down the bottom here. There's some that go up to 3.6, uh, so definitely some higher ones too. Mm-hmm. And these are just ebooks with um, human voices that go along uh, with them. There's vocabulary questions that uh, you can... Uh, vocabulary that goes along with each book so Mm -hmm. you can uh, talk about so I'm looking at the American bird right now and this one there's two vocabulary words one is bald eagle and one is nest and uh, you can have the vocabulary words read aloud defined you can see images related to the word you can see examples as well they have question sets, and then they have uh, the ebook as well that you can play on a smartboard or on a, a student device. So uh, I think this is just a, a nice kind of spin on the work that they do, which mm-hmm. is largely like text-based stuff, but this is like picture book stuff. Yeah, so it's good. Opens it to a I wider audience. I can't remember. Audience. Is there a price point on ReadWorks? ReadWorks is free. free. It okay. is all funded by like donations and things nice. like that. Yeah. So. And you can create like your own classes and stuff within ReadWorks, right? You can. And assign those books and yeah. Yes, assign different books to different one. kids or different groups of kids mm-hmm. and differentiate some of those texts. So mm-hmm. good stuff. 
Good. All right. Um, and you shared this uh, tweet that now Minecraft has created kind of like a third grade math curriculum, right, to go along with um, Minecraft. Yeah, I saw this on the Minecraft Education Twitter account. Yeah. They have now have a collection of over 30 activities that mm -hmm. include lesson plans, rubrics, student worksheets, and more. These are standards-aligned math lessons yeah. to support third-grade students. So I can provide a link to those in the show notes for everybody that wants them. But, yeah, they, they do split it up into, like, common core standards right. like operations and algebraic thinking, um, numbers and operations, uh, fractions, base 10, measurement and data, and just different ways that you could use Minecraft to help meet those objectives. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to guess if you have your normal lesson on how you meet those objectives and how you have Minecraft meet those objectives, right. your students are probably going to want to do the one that's with Minecraft. Yeah, but, uh, lots of creativity involved. I think there is, yes. yes. So yeah. if that's an option for you, if you have access to Minecraft or you're thinking about getting access to Minecraft education right. and you teach third grade, it's kind of a narrow <laughs> yeah. niche here. It's very, We're getting very narrow. Then uh, check those out, third yeah. grade teachers. Well, and who knows? I mean, maybe they'll come out with some other grade levels yet too it might be a little bit about how much it gets used as well it's, yeah i feel know. like it's going to be like a trial kind of thing to see right um how well that goes and they'll expand from there yeah um so we recently and i didn't know that we weren't part of this but are explain to me are we now we opened up so we get beta stuff within our google tools well we're we on get this okay so i should we have now something in our google drive called priority drive Yes. And so how did we get it? We um, are on the rapid release schedule rapid for release. Google stuff. However, yeah. this doesn't come in the rapid release schedule. Oh, this is okay. like a beta we signed up yeah. for of a forthcoming feature yeah. to Google Drive that you have been experimenting yes, with. I and love are it. going to educate me on I am. Priority Drive. Okay. So um, last last week, all of a sudden my drive looked different, which totally freaked me out because I had just taken screenshots. And I'm lucky actually that I did take screenshots because then I realized that this was something that was in beta and other people were not going to have seen it. But um, it's priority drive. And what it allows you to do is create workspaces. Um, and so with a workspace, I use my starred a lot in my drive. And th that's where a lot of my... Um, quick access to like different projects that I'm working on and stuff. I star all of the docs that um, go with that project. But with workspaces, it, it kind of allows you to create a folder of sorts, but you can see inside that folder, which is the workspace. So you can add all of the files and things. Um, you can add, you know, all of your Google tools, except for keep. I don't have the option to like put a keep node into my workspace, but um, you can put your sites, you can put um, drawings, all of those things inside um, this workspace. And so it's just a quick access of all of those things. So it's kind of like a folder, yes, but you can set your priority drive to be like your homepage when you come into your drive. So they're all right there instead of like having to go into your start and picking which ones you need and having all of those tabs open you can instead have all of them inside your workspace. I feel like keep might be a hard sell or a hard thing to do. That would be like putting an email in there because yeah. those things are all kind of like tied together in one platform. I know they're, yeah. they're separate and they're tagged and stuff, yeah. but it's kind of like... Yeah, but I don't they have know. their own name and stuff. Like, but they don't like have their own like them. URL or anything, do they? Or do they? Maybe they do. 
I don't think so. Probably not yeah. because you don't make those public. Yeah. They're not public for everyone to see. So you're probably right. But um, it would be super nice to be able to have a checklist in there too of like, that would be like the ultimate. So Google, because I know you're listening. Yeah. It's also like a way to put my Google Keep in there. But um, so the yeah, advan- I like it a lot. The advantage of this over like a shared folder would be? Um, that it's just right there when you go in, like with a uh-huh. folder, you know, you'd have to click on it, I suppose. And it's just all right there and you can pull in from different folders because sometimes, um, I don't know, the docs that I'm working on aren't necessarily all in a folder in the right spot. Yeah. And they, I mean, it's just, it's just a landing page, I guess, of sorts, but. I guess maybe a better question might be, how does this differentiate from team drives? Oh God! Don't even because, get me started again, on team drives. I feel like we're getting into terrible. kind of muddy water here, and maybe they're thinking team drives are terrible, and we team should just terrible, change Google. it with priority drive. Yeah, but you can't share your workspaces with other people. You can't share your workspace. Mm-mm. Okay, not that I've not that I've seen. But or the documents not yet. themselves can be shared documents. Yes. Yes. Yep, and you can pull them from your shared with me. So a lot of times I don't put stuff from shared with me into my drive because I don't really want it. The other thing with your workspace is you can remove those files out of your workspace like when you're done with them so it does kind of become you know like a checklist of sorts i guess okay so So priority drive it's just a different workflow i like it i'll add a link to the show notes of uh, maybe another blog post or something that somebody else has done on this just to give people a feel for what that looks like because it's probably coming soon although we don't know yeah i mean it's in beta so maybe it never comes at all maybe yeah that's true oh gosh no, I'm sad. That would upset Now I'm having anxiety. <laughs> well, speaking of Google, we have one last uh, update here. Yes. And when we both saw this, we both thought it was something else. But yeah, hey, we were, we're more excited about it when we... We're going to fill you in on what it says anyway. This yeah. was a tweet from Google for Education. They're yep. excited to announce that you can now customize how classwork notifications appear in the stream in Google Classroom. Mm-hmm. This setting allows you to make either the classwork page or the stream the main hub of information. Okay, so how we read it mm-hmm. was that we were going to allow the classwork page to be the home page when you went to Google Classroom. Yes. We were wrong. We were wrong. <laughs> That's what we were hoping for. <laughs> That's not what it, not what actually happened. So instead, you can go into your... has to be a new class, so not available in old classes. At Correct. least when I went into my old classes, I didn't have it. Um, you can go in to your settings and allow... It's basically conf- you get to choose what goes in your stream. Exactly. Now, yeah. Right. Instead of a whole yes. mess. That stream page is so dumb. Google stream page is dumb. Yes, because I think right now everything goes in the stream and right. and with the classwork page, if you create something new in classwork, that goes in the stream as well. And so you have the option now of saying, I don't want the classwork stuff to go right. in the stream. I just want my announcements, announcements to be in the stream because that's what I want the stream to be for. Right. And then you can hide all the other stuff like when you create a new assignment or you create a new module or mm-hmm. whatever you do in the classwork page, that doesn't have to show up in the stream anymore. Right. So... That's good. Yeah, it is. It's better. Mm -hmm. It's not the best yet. But we're getting there. We're getting there. Baby steps. Baby steps. All right. So on to our main course served to you piping hot today is probably our favorite. Oh, can you have a favorite? Is that like saying you have a favorite kid? I don't know. It's creativity. Yes. Our favorite kid, creativity. I think it's one we've been looking forward to. Let's yeah. see. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 
then we'd always have to choose a favorite. Yeah. Because they're all important. Yeah. C's. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to jump ahead because this is not what I put first on the agenda. But did you, I have this um, graphic that I pulled from Twitter somewhere um, by Mandy. Is it Froelich? Could be. Okay. Um, so from Mandy Froelich and what she created, and I thought this was interesting because I hadn't really thought about the four C's this way. It's kind of like a Venn diagram. With three different circles. Is yeah. it a Venn diagram still then? It is, right? Yeah. <laughs> and each C has its own circle except for creativity, which is found in the intersection of those three circles. And I'm wondering, what do you think of this? I had to look at this for a few minutes before I understood what right. I was looking at, I yeah. think. But... Yes, I can see that. It made me wonder whether you could put something like collaboration in the middle right. or uh-huh. communication in the right. middle, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of these could be interchangeable. Right. But yeah, I can see how creativity can be a pivotal part to all of those things. Yeah. Um, it made me wonder about like, you know, because some of like the intersection is like between communication and collaboration. What do we, what yeah, do we call nothing's that? Labeled There's in nothing there, right? in there. No, what is that part in there? And, yeah. And where, where, maybe it would be a good thing to have like, you think about an activity you're going to do with kids and then you think where on this kind of spectrum mm-hmm. or would it fall? Well, there's a bit of communication, there's a bit of collaboration and, right. you know, you could place it on a yeah. continuum almost. And I'm not putting it on there to say that I completely agree with it because I think you're mm-hmm. right. I think I think the her way of showing that all of them go together, Yeah, you know, and they all are interconnected. Yes. Um, I view it more, I think, as the Olympic rings instead of just creativity in the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of profound. I like yeah. it. Oh, <laughs> You've that, never that said that to connected. me before, but that they're all interconnected. And yeah. Like, yeah. But then do you need to label how communication and collaboration? I don't know. It's interesting to me. Anyway, I thought it was an interesting um, graphic that I had. In, and I, because she's I think she just shared it at some conference she was at or something. And um, they used it as a Twitter chat um, conversation, I guess, is how I came across it. But, yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting. And it fits in with what we've been saying in the other episodes yeah. in this series that, yeah. you know, this is related to this and this mm-hmm. C is related to that C. So yeah. definitely there are close ties. And it's a nice way of providing a, a visual. So yeah. we could put that in the show notes and let people yeah. take a look for take themselves. Take a look and see what they think. It'd be also interesting maybe just to t- as long as we're talking about creating is what kind of infographic would you create to mm-hmm. describe, you know, the four C's? Like, it's a nice little creative challenge there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just an interesting thing, uh, interesting thought. Um, a couple other things that, um, before we get started, I thought I would mention is, um, and this kind of comes up with the Twitter chat too, is I, I think someone posed the question, I can't remember who it was, um, posed the question about how do you get started with creativity? Because I think creativity kind of somewhere got lost at the, um, implementation of standards, right? Mm. Creativity was maybe one of the first things that got tossed out. Um, so it gets tossed out after first grade, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. yeah so, oh, I, I'm only kidding. I didn't yeah, mean that. Right. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of, I, I think it's the way to get started or to get teachers getting started. And Beth and I had just talked about this um, a little bit yesterday was um, I think creativity allows students 
you have to allow them a little bit of choice. So just finding one way every day to allow students to be creative. And it doesn't have to be a big production, right? I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times we Mm -hmm. think of creativity like, oh, we've got to get the paint out and we've got to, you know, have some tape. And I don't think it has to be that way. I think... um, so one of the one of the things that um, Amber often talks about are tasks that have a low floor and a high ceiling um, so that everyone has the ability to um, engage in it. But it also allows you to um, extend yourself as you see fit. So finding those tasks that allow everyone to get engaged, but don't have a ceiling that are going to, that, you know, someone's going to run into. Right. Um and so I think that's kind of a, a way to think about it. And so a lot of times I think that is too allowing students just to have a little bit of choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a way to get started anyway. I mean, it's not necessarily a creative exercise, but that right. low floor, high ceiling thing, I think about some of the things I used to do in math with my kids. I would say like, okay, let's start with a number like 24. Mm-hmm. How can how can you create a, a an expression or something yeah. that would equal 24? Right. And then, you know, your lower kids can, if they want to do things like 23 plus one, 25 take away one, they, they can do right. that. Tally, tally 24 times. Exactly. Yeah. And then your, your higher kids can be dividing yeah. and doing fractions yep. and all the rest. It's just, it lets them self-differentiate and, and think about ways to, you know, do things at, at their level. So, mm-hmm. you know, low ceiling, low, not low ceiling. <laughs> not low ceiling. Low threshold, high ceiling. Yes, right. Yes. Yep. Um, and then I um, had asked Amber, she has a couple um, flipboards that she's created around creativity. But um, when I was kind of looking through them, there was this blog post I came across called The Five Amazing Exercises to Elevate Your Creative Thinking Powers. And I thought this was really interesting because the first thing that they mention is the magic of constraints. And I think this is interesting and maybe helps people become a little bit more um, a little bit more comfortable with creativity because there are so many unknowns sometimes when kids are allowed to create. But um, what a constraint is, is kind of narrowing what students can make, who they can make it for, um, and allows you or forces you maybe even to be more creative because you have even a time constraint or, you know, if you only give kids 10 minutes and they have to draft something to solve some sort of problem, allows them to just take their idea and go with it instead of ho-humming around Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. different things. So I thought that was interesting. And then um, the other thing was about creative writing, which I really liked too, because um, it was a way to get kids kind of started about writing. And it was just about observing a person for a couple minutes and then writing their story about why they're doing what they're doing or what's going on with their mind. Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting blog post that um, we'll link into the show notes. But I thought it was kind of um, just some different things to think about that wouldn't be crazy to try in your classroom, um, but might be kind of fun. So, yeah, I'll pull something out from that same blog post. Then. Yeah. Oh, okay. At the beginning there, the author says, you know, I've always desired to be a creative person. Right. And I think sometimes that's mm-hmm. I, that that goes along with a lot yeah. of the C's. You know, it, yeah. I think it, it can be a mindset thing. People, some people think I'm not creative because mm-hmm. they are not good at. They're art. not artistic, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's definitely a, va- a valid thing as well. And it's kind of everybody has creativity in them. You don't have right. to be a good artist or drawer right. or whatever to right. be creative. You can be creative in. Lots of different ways. You can yeah. be creative with numbers. I think about yeah. some of the things that 
Stacy does with spreadsheets yeah, and formulas crazy, and right? stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's very creative. It's yeah. a creative solution to a problem, yeah. and she's using all these formulas and things to to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. So creativity is something that you know you you might hear from your students i'm just not a very creative person i i look at other kids and think i compare yourself to them and all the rest but it it can be a mindset thing and giving kids the ability to be open-minded to experiencing them yeah and i think that's a culture thing too right is Mm -hmm. um having and we've talked about culture quite a few times this month about how important it is to have Um, a supportive culture in your classroom that allows kids to be creative. But I think it's also about collaborating, too. So you and I are probably creative in different ways. Amber and I are creative in different ways. And when we collaborate together, it allows even more interesting solutions to problems. Um, And so I don't know. Maybe that graphic is right that Mandy created. I don't know. Well, yeah. (laughs) Creativity ties it all together. (laughs) The other thing the the guy said, uh, the... The author says in this is very deliberate, right? Yes, very deliberate. Is that yeah? Is that creativity is a skill you can learn? It's a muscle, yeah, and right. the more you use it, the stronger right. it gets. So you yeah. might have low creativity because just because you haven't been exposed to it or have the mm-hmm. opportunity to practice Flexed and, your creative muscles. There you go. So yeah. as teachers, we need to provide that right. culture, that you know, that environment for students in order to be creative. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes that might just be you know we think about. When they're working on a project or something, I think we said this with the PBL type of thing, that giving students the ability to choose what the end product might yeah. look like. Yeah. Because I went right. to see, I saw Chris Lehman at a conference once and he was talking mm-hmm. about PBL and he said, if you give kids a project and they come back with 30 of the exact same yeah. things, whether it's a PowerPoint or a video right. or whatever, then that's not really... It's compliance. Yeah, it's just compliance. There's yeah. there's no creativity in that because they're just doing what you told them to do. You give them a very specific thing that you mm-hmm. wanted as the outcome. Right. Blow that away. Have like a rubric that just covers, you know, all the objectives that you want to do with your right. kids. Show me that you know. That this, you can this demonstrate this. this. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you can demonstrate that learning in whatever way you want. And right. you as a teacher can decide from there if they've met those objectives or not mm-hmm. so which goes into udl too right i think so yeah, yeah definitely so many things um so one of the ways that we um at the digital learning team hopefully are supporting some of this creativity is through of course um amber show think make innovate which i assist on not my not it's totally amber's brainchild and um is amazing but one of these, um, the next episode that's being released in March, I think I, can I talk about this? I don't know. Is it like super secret? Um, I think it's okay. Um, but is about, um, these constraints again. So, um, one of the things that, um, I think it's Solon, Solon Intermediate is, um, use these design digit or, um, design cards. I'm sorry. We have a set called mockups. We don't think that they are available anymore. At least we can't find them. Um, so there is something new called extraordinaire cards. Have you seen these? We just got these. We just I purchased have not them. So, seen these, no. um, they're, um, these constraint cards that, um, choose your audience, choose, um, what you should, not what you should make for them, but a problem that you need to solve. And then I think there's one more constraint. Oh, I probably should know off the top of my head, but I don't. Um, but what I wanted was for us to have some sort of way to do this online. So I created a little Google site for um, digital design cards um, using Google Slides. And I used Gina Rogers' idea of a name chooser because we've talked about that, on the, haven't we? The name chooser. 
published the slide deck to the web and made the um, pause between the slides super, super short through the embed code. Um, and then, uh, and we can link this too to the um, show notes, but um, there's a Meka. And so you hit the pause button. Oh, Amber added some stuff. So this one says make a wallet for a giraffe mm-hmm. that will make them laugh. Yes. Yeah. We did. Did we not do this at the Four Seas Camp last we summer? We did. Yes. Yeah. So um, we created a digital one so that um, teachers would have not, first of all, not had to pay for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'm going to add a tutorial, though I'm not really sure I'm going to do that yet, but um, of how to make your own. So I wasn't involved in the actual making right. of those things last summer, but I was recruited to mm-hmm. model you one were. of the grumpy old man hat. A grumpy old man who was thirsty. And had right? a, there was a birdhouse on my head oh, or something, yeah. wasn't <laughs> right. there? A yeah. hat and a birdhouse yeah, and a right. grumpy old man or yeah. something. And yeah, yes. So yeah. there are so pictures we, of that somewhere. Yeah, so we created a digital one. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about yesterday as I was kind of tossing this together was if you're a little uncomfortable with doing something like this, you could choose two of the constraints for the kids. So it might be um, everybody's making a wallet, but who it's for would be different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that because I think you have to be comfortable as a teacher, too, a little bit with what's going on in your classroom. But it's just kind of something to think about. Um those constraints. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the ed tech stuff, though. We haven't really talked much about technology and creativity. Yes, because these are the types of things that we talk about a lot, a I lot, guess. Right? I mean, yeah. I've got a couple of rolling presentations I give now and again, which yeah, is right. uh, I've got an iPad creativity one and mm-hmm. I've got a Chromebook creativity one right. because we had the episode recently on Chromebook creativity and we how did, yeah. people were generally not using Chromebooks for creative things outside of the Google Suite. Mm -hmm. So um, we've talked about some of these types of things before, but maybe just big picture, you know, things you can do to be creative or Mm -hmm. like we're talking about earlier, to give students choice on what that end product might look like. There are lots of um, opportunities for being creative with technology. Yeah. So video things. Yeah. Definitely, you're using you know things like iMovie or uh, WeVideo or those kind of video editors. Quick, There's, Quick is my favorite. Quick is Quick is my favorite app. In Quick the is world. kind of magic, isn't oh, it? I love it. I know because and that's something I get asked a lot. It's like I just want a way to quickly create Toss a photo in, slideshow right? yeah. of all these like they did things and we make did. my parents cry. Yes, because it's like all the music and oh, yes, it's awesome. So Quick is awesome for that. Yeah. It's available for iOS yeah. and Android, maybe. I think it's available on Android. Sure. Yes. Sure it is. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you could do stop motion type of things. Yeah. Definitely good for digital storytelling, yeah. um, time lapses and science, um, movement in PE, you know, oh, things yeah. like that. Yeah, too. That's you good. you yeah. just want to show different ways of how things happen. Um, so there's lots of good stop motion apps mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. There's... I don't know, there's less stop-motion apps on the web, I think, but yeah. I'm thinking things like Brush Ninja could be oh, yeah. an option in there because that's sure. kind of a stop-motion tool. We've mentioned we've... Brush Ninja on here before, haven't we? I, I think, think we so. we both have it one day, and I'm like, oh. I think we did. It was, yeah. We both picked it as a tech nugget, yeah. and I think we just kind of did it together. Yeah. But, um, yeah. If you haven't checked out Brush Ninja on the web, go yeah. take a look at Brush Ninja for yeah. sure. It allows you to create a GIF, mm-hmm. but you could do it as a... I mean, 
It's kind of like kinda a the same sort of thing, same right? Thing. Yeah, you yeah. draw a, a yeah, frame that's at a good time, don't you? Or I hadn't made that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Good one. And GIFs are kind of like stop motion, aren't they? They're like still pictures yeah. that are put together put to together. make an animated movie. Yes. Right. Okay. Get on board with that. There's always green screen. Endlessly oh, creative. Green screen. Yes. I of mean, course. Yeah, definitely. And we talked recently about that removed.bg yeah. that you can do on Chromebooks. And my daughter came back. A couple of weeks ago and said, hey, we've been using this website oh, called awesome. Remove BG. When yeah. I'm like, so, yeah. Have you seen anything that she created? I have not seen she it just yet. Told she, she just said she was yeah. using it in class. So. Yeah, awesome. Um, the word is getting out there. Yeah, so sure. You can uh, do that on any device, which is fun. Yeah. Any of the Adobe stuff, right? I mean, I feel like we've talked about all of these tools a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, but just sure. a little refresher. All of that, Ado- the Adobe Spark video mm-hmm. um, online or as an app, both fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. Definitely. Yeah. And even if your kids have, you know, access to the Creative Cloud Suite, the Adobe yeah. stuff, they, you know, they make a business out of building creative tools for people. So, yeah. you know, middle high school kids could uh, definitely dive into those. Yeah. And Canva. Canva's a good one. Although, you know, I have a bone to pick with Canva because don't you feel like there is less and less stuff in there that's free? Do you feel that or not? Is it just me? Am I just looking specifically for stuff and therefore I have to pay for it, which I'm not, but... Yeah, I do feel like they are pushing my creativity. (laughs) (laughs) Giving me constraints. Lots of constraints. I have to think of more creative ways to get around some of those things. And I get it. They have to make a living and and stuff like that because yeah because there's a couple of things that bother me with canva right now every time you download something from canva on the web yeah you get this big pop-up that says hey do you want to try canva for work for 30 days for free and you say no but you get it every single time every single time can't click click it off and the other thing is the canva for ipad app now makes me sad because it's just it's not it great. It doesn't look like anything to do with Canva. It's just yeah. a completely different I haven't interface. used it for a long time. It used to look kind of it like looked, Canva. It yeah. used to look exactly yeah. the same. Okay. And yeah. now it looks completely different. Oh. So Canva, what are you doing but, to us? Yes. Canva's still a good tool. And yeah. if you get annoyed by that stuff, go try Adobe Spark Post. Post. Yes. I yeah. had to remember which one it was. Yeah. Yes. The thing that I would say, because I used Adobe Spark Post a lot for our 4C stuff, the nice thing about it is that you can change... And this was for my purpose. It might not be for um, anyone else's purpose, but you can use the same post and then change the um, ratios or the size of that for yes. different social media things, which is nice. However, not always the same images are available. Explain. Yeah. So if I, no, that's in Canva. That's in Canva. Okay. That's what makes me mad because Canva has more images, I feel like, yeah. than Adobe Spark post does. And I'll be honest and I'll say that most of the time when I'm looking for an image, I'll go to like Unsplash or Pixabay yeah, or right. somewhere first. I won't actually search much in Canva anymore. Yeah. I'll just Well, that's find because everything you have places. to pay for. A lot of the things you do have to pay for. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. All right. I feel like they should do a Canva for school. The other week you shared Incredibox, which is a creative musical composition app, I, I think, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was my tech nugget. Yeah, it was. It's definitely one that could be a creative thing as well as uh, yeah, something like GarageBand or yeah, something. Yeah, what's the Chrome one, though? I can't remember the name of that. The Chrome one? The Google one. Oh, the Chrome Music Lab? Is yeah, that there one? it is. Yes. yes, yes. Yeah, so that's kind of that's similar to Incredibox in some ways. Just kind of drag and drop kind of yeah. stuff like that on mm-hmm. there, too. So, yeah, yeah. there's... You can be creative with music and you can be creative with art. 
People think coding is creative. Yes. Yeah. Coding is creative. Coding is creative because yeah. you are creating something out of nothing, basically. Yeah, right. Or, and, yeah, and I think it's interesting because I don't know that I ever, um, you know, really thought about coding as being creative and in the way that I do now anyway um, until we started doing all the work with the Makey Makey and Scratch and then you start to really see the possibilities of, oh, this doesn't exist. I'm just going to create it myself. Yeah. And that's what's cool about yeah. coding, I think, is having the ability to code or create something that you have a need for that doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. Or you can't get your hands on, you know, of some sort. But It's like the 20 cent- 21st century inventor, you know, yeah. solving problems that exist and maybe they're just problems for you, but you yeah. can solve them by yeah. coding something. I yeah, guess. I think it's the opportunity to solve them, right? Or the confidence to be able to be like, oh, I could just create this. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a podcaster I listen to. And one of the things he identified as something he had a problem with was mm-hmm. Twitter. And he uh, said it was a constant distraction for him during yeah. the day. Yeah. So he thought... How could I? How could I? You know, solve this problem. And sure. so he's a programmer. Yeah. He created um, an app he called Quitter, oh, and like it basically <laughs> automatically killed Twitter on his Mac every time. You know, he, he wanted would, he it to think he'd about going use it there. as a it shut would, off. And yeah, and you, he set times where it would just like not be available yeah. during these times when oh. that app was running. So hmm. he found a problem. He coded a solution to it. Yeah, nice. So I don't find Twitter distracting at all, but. Good for you, buddy. But you're back. Are you back on the Twitters uh, now, full time? What's going on, Mindy? I don't know. You know what? This is it. So I keep seeing I was, things on you. It's like, oh, I saw I this know, on Twitter. Did anybody I know. else? I, and I think that's what's nice about having taken such a long hiatus from Twitter, minus just like going in and retweeting the team stuff or whatever. But um, it's a little refreshing to maybe find some new stuff that I haven't seen for a while people are sharing their creativity on twitter mindy yes, i think that's what i want to i want to go and see what i feel like i need to go through and delete a lot of my edgy celebrities oh i said it oh really i do um yes. mostly because i you know i know they're there so i don't need to hear about their next book yeah i'm just gonna say it yeah right? i, I don't need to hear about your next book or your blog post or whatever um, I'd rather, you know, be seeing stuff that teachers are creating or um, those who are working in schools. And I feel like my Twitter feed is um, is just full of the edgy celebrities that I probably followed, you know, ten, three years ago or whatever, four years ago. Um, but it's hard to go back in and clean all that out. Right. So what you could do. Oh, you- yeah. Tell me my solution. I don't know. There's a possible solution. Okay. You could use lists. Have you yeah, ever used lists? I do have lists. Or you could just add people to a list and you could have teachers yeah. list and then yeah. you would only see tweets from those people. Yeah. But I know. Yeah, it takes I do have time. that in my, because then I have that in my tweet deck, right? Yeah, it's kind of like I a, pull my a list column in my tweet deck. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Oh, we got off subject there. We did Sorry, get off subject. I have but. a soapbox about Twitter. Well, we could link to some of these slide decks or for resources and things because, yeah. I mean, we don't necessarily just want to throw tools at people right. because creativity is about more than just the tools like it we've is. kind of talked about. But yeah. uh, there's lots of potential um, for being more creative in the yeah. classroom. Everybody can be creative. Up next, my favorite part of the show. Tech nuggets. Tech nuggets. Tech nuggets. Nugget in, nugget in. 
I think we have some creative nugs. nuggets on here. Creative um, nuggets sorry, today. Creative. We do? Yeah. We do. I think so. Okay. You want to go first? Do you want no. me to go first? You can go first. Oh, you feel like you've got a grand finale. No, I don't feel like that Liar. at all. I feel like I went first last time. Oh, I don't know. Okay. All right. So um, this tech nugget is brought to you by a few people. First <laughs> of all, Michelle Armstrong, um, Jordan Poles, and most importantly, Gina Rogers, who shared it with our team. Um, I don't know if you knew this, Wiley, because you are not much of a Snapchat user. Correct. Okay. So, and you're barely a Bitmoji user. Correct. Okay. So, um, for all you listeners out there, if you are Snapchat users and your Bitmoji users, you can, in your Bitmoji keyboard, um, over on the right-hand side of your Bitmoji keyboard, there's like a... Um, I think it's like, it looks like two like masks, like a like a drama mask, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. If you click on that, it will allow you to choose friends from your Snapchat. Okay, I okay. almost picked up my phone there. Then I yes. thought, nope, I have I no friends on Snapchat. No. Yes. Okay, so it allows you to use. It, so then, if you choose a friend, so like if I choose Gina, we um, it generates Bitmojis with Gina's Bitmoji and my Bitmoji. Okay. Okay. So it used to be that you could do this just in Snapchat, but now it's in the Bitmoji keyboard as well. And the reason for that, I just found out recently, was that Snapchat owns Bitmoji. Yeah, so you have to, I feel like if you go to create a Bitmoji account now, you have to have a Snapchat account. Oh, okay. It didn't used to be that way, but I feel like that's the case now. Continue. Yes, okay. So anyway, Gina came across this hack by Jordan Poles that allows you to take an image from your Bitmoji and an image an image link from your Bitmoji like Chrome extension. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you choose um, an image and then the link from that image and put it in this um, Google Sheet that has formulas that I don't understand. I didn't even look at it. I have no idea. It pairs it with your friend's image, and it generates a whole new link. You click on that link, and it has all of the friend emojis. Yes, it does. Yes, and then you can right-click on them and put them in wherever you want. Yeah. So we're going to share a link to this blog post, and in this blog post, it um, allows you to create a sheet that has all these formulas already built in by Jordan Poles. And you can have all the fun in the world with the friend emojis. It was fun, it I have to fun. say. I mean, Gina created one for our team and she put everybody's name on there and she yeah. said, just stick the link to your Bitmoji on there. Right. And then other people put the link to their Bitmoji on there. And I'm just going to say... It a new link. I'm just going to say, as the only male member yes. of a team, yeah, I mean, it did produce some interesting emojis. HR issues, yes. Mm-hmm. Some yes. HR issues, yeah. But luckily, say. we're all grown-ups here and we can handle it. Yes. Yeah. But it's, it would be kind of fun, too, like, if you think about... Like, if you're a team, if you team with someone, you know, like, Definitely. if you've got a partner mm-hmm. teacher or if you're a coach and you, you know, have the teachers that you're working with, send them stickers with the two of you or... It's just kind of a fun... It's just kind of fun. If you're co nugget. If you're co-presenting at a conference yes, and you want your emojis on there, it. yeah, I think that's a good idea. And also to heckle one another because that's fun too. Yes, there was definitely some that went back and forth yeah. by email. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's um, friend emojis, not just for Snapchat users anymore. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to follow that. Oh, but wait, I will follow but you that. you will. <laughs> with an app that I've been exploring recently called okay. Moatboat. Moatboat. Rhymes. Yes. I like that. Well, actually, I just read a blog post on how they came up with the name for Moatboat. Okay. And it kind of fits in with the creativity solutions okay. we have. We talked about because they said, you know, they, they put some random names together and a moat is a problem. Because yeah. it provides a barrier to something, oh. and the boat is the solution. Oh, and they put the moat, in the, isn't it? Yeah, we should like have that. come up with something creative like that mm-hmm. for our podcast. But yeah. uh, no, we didn't. Well, oh. yeah. Jeez. Okay. Keep so, going. Moat boat is an AR slash VR app for iOS or Android, and I'm going to describe it kind of like it's like Minecraft meets The Sims. Okay. okay. Yeah. So it's like a virtual world building place where yeah. you can build things kind of like you might in Minecraft. Yeah. Not like with blocks per se, but by putting objects onto the screen to populate um almost like a biome. You can choose yeah. like, you know, a desert savanna type thing or you like can my, choose a forest so more area. Like spaces. Similar to that then. Okay. okay. Um but then you can put things into your world and you can control them like you are this god of the world okay <laughs> okay um and the, the fun thing about it is that um you control them with voice and you give them instructions get out of town yeah so you press and hold the microphone button and it uses machine learning and natural language parsing stuff so you can say bizarre things like monkey ride a unicycle okay. and the monkey will go over to the unicycle and it will ride Do you have it to have around. the unicycle already in your your world, though? I mean, so it, you have to use the things that are in their world. It doesn't just magically appear. It can magically appear. Seriously? You can, you can say apples, and then they'll just, like, fall from the sky, and there'll be apples on the, on the screen oh, and stuff awesome. like this. And so, yeah, there's all kinds of random scenarios and, and things yeah. you can do. It's almost like a, a vocal kind of coding type of exercise yeah. because you're instructing people to do different things all around your world. You can do it collaboratively, so you yeah. can have two people in the same world on different devices mm-hmm. working together. Huh. I think it's just like a really crazy, interesting, creative kind of um, environment to, yeah. to do things in. So you can do it in, in VR type of thing on the app where, you know, I say VR, but it's kind of a virtual world type of deal. But you can also do it in AR, so you can put your world onto like a table or something. Yeah, and, sure. And move around and look close and things nice. like that. And you, you can have command over your entire domain. Um, I think it could be interesting for like... Um, like ESL kids yeah. who are still practicing, you know, their language and getting sure. to know English and, and they're trying to make things happen. And if you don't say things in the right way, then the things won't happen. Yeah. But um, you will come across some constraints like, you know, you'll, you'll say something and it doesn't happen. But you can yeah. say things like cows float and the cows will all float in the air nice. and things like that. And you can say person get in the car and drive around and the person will get in the car and drive around. Uh-huh. So... It'd be pretty cool to write a story and then have like trigger words. Absolutely. You know, and have yeah. somebody watch your story as it create you know. this and have that as a visual representation yeah. of your story. Right. I think would be really interesting. Fun. So if you looked at what was available to you in the in the little palette of things to choose from and then you mm-hmm. made a story about that and acted out the story. Yeah. So it's one What's, of those AR VR things that came via Jamie Donnelly oh, and sure. some of her stuff. But um I think is it's it got, free? It is 100% free. 
Free always. No in-app purchases or no anything. No constraints at all. Well, there's some constraints. I mean, you'll ask it for something and it will say, I'm but sorry, I mean, we not can't like, do that. Hey, we can't thing. do that. You have to pay $7. Correct. Nice. No financial constraints. I should have clarified. So try Mopo, it. Mopo, you Mopo win. Boat AR, VR. That sounds like fun. It is fun. You should try it once we get done. Yeah. Okay. I will. I am at Team Carney on Twitter, and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at DLGWAEA, and you can use our hashtag EdTechTakeout to tag the show. If you prefer, you can send us an email to podcast at GWAEA.org. I don't want to disappoint anyone, but we probably will not be back next week. We won't be back till May. I need a vacation. Yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back <laughs> I'm just to, kidding. We'll be back to our usually scheduled uh, scenario of whenever we feel like it, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Whenever we have time to so fit take one that, in. So that, listeners. But we can say we have a guest coming on our next podcast, can't we? Right. Marissa Dahl from Heartland AEA will be with us next time. Yeah, we haven't had a guest for a while, so that's yeah. always less work from Indy and I. Yeah. Jeez, we worked hard this month. So until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast. podcast.